Give me a boy with hands, precious, beautiful hands. On this episode of WatchBots. Hi, everyone. Welcome to WatchBots, the podcast where we believe that the ocean is blue. This is Ben, who's correct. Um, I'm joined by Shailen, who has informed Hello. me that the ocean is, in fact, not blue. It's a reflection from the sky, Ben. Deep blue sea. Prove me wrong. It's your job to prove me wrong if you're the one contesting the fact. And by Dave, who holds the deciding vote in this debate between science and I'm a flat earther, so I don't know if you want to <laughs> include me in, in this. Mm-hmm. Debate, I don't. But okay. Uh, All right. That's not, not, not because of that, though. <laughs> we're not COVID deniers on this show at all, but we're apparently blue sea deniers. Have you ever thought that blue sea was a misnomer, Ben? An inaccuracy <laughs> purported by the sailors of old? I, I guess that's true. I mean, they spent a lot of time out there. Yeah. When the salt pork gets low. You start boiling your boots for food. Yeah. Yeah. You get desperate. In some ships, they would eat the rats. Blue Sea sounds like a Gary Busey-themed sex move. It it does. Like a Blue Sea. You're right. (laughs) Yeah, I was getting oral sex, and I just did a Gary Busey impression the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. You get, like, liquid poop. (laughs) And it's loose and it's bad. It's a blue sea. <laughs> Listeners, we want to hear from you. What is your definition of blue sea? Hashtag blue sea. Did you see the porno? I love blue sea. <laughs> the chocolate factory scene took on a whole new meaning. <laughs> so how's life? How How's everyone doing? It has been a wild couple of weeks. Lots going on. <laughs> You're telling me, sister. Explain, Jalen. What's wild? I feel like there's just been a whirlwind of activity. You know, if we're not recording, then all of a sudden I'm doing all these household things. Mm-hmm. Recording is definitely a lot better. Like, yeah, a lot. Yeah. I, I've got this problem where I've got just mountains of hot takes, right? But we have a lot of things to also talk about. So it's like, how do I delineate my hot takes? I got to get my hot takes out on the internet. Before recording, Shailen and I just started watching The New Bachelorette. And I'm going to save those hot takes because I have a show specifically for that. (laughs) But I will say, it is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. The way that they have treated coronavirus and the way that they showed the Bachelorette's travails starting. Do they not recognize it? Oh, uh, no, no. They recognize it. Oh, okay. 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 (laughs) All right. We'll do a couple of big league teases. It's not like wrestling where they just don't talk about it at all. No, no, no. No, it is not. They talk about it a lot. It involves the host of the show giving her her COVID results. After quarantine, so like he shows up at her door and he's like, "Get ready to record because you're a hundred percent negative." <laughs> Jesus Christ, we're gonna gamify COVID. 
she's in quarantine and she's like, I'm so bored. <laughs> it's fucking funny as hell. They you, show her pacing between the couch yeah. and the window, but she has on the same clothes for most of it. My only plea, and I don't have a lot of pleas to listeners, do yourself a favor. Don't You don't have to watch the whole show. I will carry that cross for, for everybody for the next six months. Watch the first 15 minutes, just up to the first commercial break. It is the funniest thing I've ever seen. They present putting the show together. The show where they profit, there's a lot of money involved, is like this service to find this woman love. We had to fight battles to we fought the fucking pandemic and it was like punching the ocean but we did it and she stayed at home and wore her sweatpants and this is more or less how she it, yeah. made it yeah <laughs> yeah they literally said it took so much effort and coordination and i looked at ben and i went aren't they already sequestered yeah. like they're, they are self-quarantined <laughs> to the begin point with. of the show isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. so i have hot takes upon hot takes Upon the six minutes of hot takes we just had. It would have been great if they just filmed her at home while she did like Zoom dates with the Bachelors. And then it turned yeah. into like a, a, a like sort a of like a, a, of solo, sort. a solo Big Brother. Hmm. Yeah. Or they just filmed it for. Or like uh, if they, they also filmed it like, yeah, like her talking with her friends and they're just like, oh, man, I hope you find love. I'm going to diverge immediately. There's another show coming on CBS. Have you guys seen this show? Be Positive? Yes. Yeah. What the fuck yeah. is this show? <laughs> so th- as far as I can tell, it's got an actor and an actress. Go, go figure. The dude needs- What? Like a, no. A, a, he needs like a transplant of some sort. I don't know if it's a kidney transplant or it's a blood transplant, but- Marrow, he's, perhaps. He's rare, and he meets this woman who can transplant, and then they're hanging out, and I'm, su- I'm sure that they're going to get together, and I- because- I've gone insane. I immediately had this thought of like, okay, she gives him her kidney and then they're getting romantic (laughs) and then they have to talk about like how her kidneys are powering both of them (laughs) to make love. (laughs) But it's it's called B positive because she's very positive and B positive is a blood type. And he's HIV positive and that's the twist. We are really in the shit. We are Mm. really in the shit as a Mm -hmm. society here. It's true. We need to teach people critical thinking and the value of original thought. Go back to college. You're big thinking. Also, uh, the value of a good editor. Mm. Yes. Too true. Too Edit true. your ideas. That's right. I'm feeling good about this show, mm-hmm. this, this episode of we're recording right now. I'm a little stressed, though. Why is we, that? We, like you, my, my wife and I, are we're, we're putting our house up, up for sale. What? Yes. And we have to stage it and have open houses and which requires a deep cleaning of the house and packing Mm -hmm. shit immediately. Uh, So that's been fun. I've also had to like fix a bunch of things around the house. Children are remote learning. Work is doing this fun thing where they're uh, like reshuffling our department a bit. Love when they do that. And then, uh, so it's, it's it's just like all kind of, you know, strain. I feel a little afraid and 10 minutes before the, before I sat down to record, but you know, or 15 minutes, Ben had uh, texted me and said, are you ready to go? And uh, then I realized that I hadn't showered since uh, like five days ago. I mean, I that's, like, you know, that's a feeling. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, I got to clean myself because I won't have another chance for the rest of the week. So it's, it's just been like one of those days. And so I, I feel good now, but like right before I was like at my filthiest and like at my most stressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm ready to unleash, unleash on, uh, on Halloween now. 
at your filthiest is really the the way to enter this show. And I recommend <laughs> that for all listeners as well. Agreed. Well, my mind's still filthy. The, the body is, is yeah. cleansed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little real news before we get into it here. There's some controversy around the new Animaniacs reboot. Oh, no. So oh. I know this is something some people are really excited about. You know, Animaniacs is back, and they brought back the, all the, the people. Specifically my entire family. But you know who they didn't bring back? Who didn't The they... original creator. And the original creator's son, and I don't have his name. Steven Spielberg? I, yeah, well, it's Steven Spielberg. His son, Dan Spielberg, posted on Twitter, like, it's bullshit that they didn't bring Steven Spielberg back. And, like, this guy retweeted it, and now it's become this source of controversy. And it's like, you know what? Like, Come what on. did they, like, did they sell the rights to WB? Yeah. 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 So yeah. fuck you. <laughs> This, you made a legal decision. There you, know, you go. This falls into the the death of the author situation, right? You have a brainchild, you create something, you release it into the universe, and it's not yours anymore, and you have mm. to let go. Well, no, I disagree, because I hear a lot of people talking up these new Mickey Mouse shorts, right? Like, oh, they're so irreverent. Oh, they're great. But I won't watch them. You know why? Walt Disney not involved. <laughs> this guy created that character. I haven't seen anything since 1963, uh, Disney-related. Just it just pisses me off so much. Like it gets into this whole reboot thing too, where it's like, okay, not only do we have to reboot things, now we have to bring back literally everybody who was involved, and there's just no there's no movement. Yeah. We're just in this hell. Welcome back to the eternal hamster wheel. Everyone ages and dies, but nothing new exists. It's (laughs) like I'm in the Michael Crichton sphere. I'm just in stasis in here. I'm going to get out. And, You're going to hate this. They're, 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 they're making a, a, an HBO series of, of Sphere. Of Sphere? Oh, no, yeah. they're not. Yeah, oh, they are. Okay. I think it's HBO. <laughs> Fucking bad book, bad Sphere. movie. Oh, that movie not, sucked. Not, not one of Michael Crichton's my, movies. My father, he's, he's got a, a okay taste in movies, but like mm-hmm. most of the time it's special. He, need, he needs his special effects. He needs his explosions, right? Like he watched Little Miss Sunshine, which I think is a, a fun, fine little movie. And he was like, I don't know. There was no like CGI. Uh, <laughs> in Little Miss Sunshine? Yeah, he just, I asked him why he didn't like it. And he, was, he just wanted, you know, action and dinosaurs, I guess. Sure. But he loves, he loves like, he loves the Terminator movies. You know, we bonded over aliens and Predator when mm-hmm. I was little. So it's all that. But yeah, he and I went to see Sphere because I was, I read a lot of Michael Crichton when I was little. And I loved that book. I thought it was really cool. I liked all the other Michael Crichton books like Eaters, Eaters of the Dead and that shit. So we went to see Sphere and, we the whole time like it starts off and it's really bad and my dad recognizes this immediately mm-hmm. and a movie like that i thought he would be really into non-ironically but the whole time he's just uh, he just kept like leaning over to me in the theater and just going sphere in this dustin hoffman rain man voice <laughs> sphere sphere definitely definitely sphere so that was my sphere experience which was a lot better than the movie itself i don't know that i could tell you one movie that my dad likes I don't even know that I can picture my father liking a movie. Doesn't he love The French Connection? I have. Sure. <laughs> he and I sat, He and I watched that together. It's true. Many, many years ago, before we were married. Oh, I, that was a long time ago. I had a conversation with your dad. Eons. About the movie Killdozer. Uh-huh. And he not only knew what it was, he recited lines from it. Strange. And about three weeks later, he presented me very quietly a, an illegal like DVD copy that he had found on the internet. And he was like, hey, here, I got this for you. My father did this? Yeah. What? We have it in the house. Your That's father insane. the hero? Yeah. 
It was that, that. No, you know what? I take it back. That is a movie he likes. He's a big Gerard Depardieu fan. Yeah, yeah. You thought I was going to go the sicko route, and I didn't do that. That would be unwholesome, Shailen. Get your fucking mind out. Now of I want to text him and ask him what his favorite movie is. The uncouth. Don't do it on the air. We're, we're, we're in the middle of business. So we're entering back into the the Halloween boopery this week, and we've got a variety of things to spook you and tickle the mind. Ooh, I'm scared. I've mm. got chills up my spine. Would you say you have goose bumps? Yes, I would well, say that. <laughs> well, here we go. So we are talking this week about the TV series Goosebumps, which is based off of the the book series that launched a thousand book fair ships. Yep. And Goosebumps, we'll talk about the, the books in a second here. Were you guys Goosebumps heads? Goosebumpies? Oh, yeah. I we're going to go with Goosebumpies. Goose, Goosebumpies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very, very much so. I remember the books, like, I think I got caught on, like, maybe the second year they were out. Mm-hmm. And I caught up on them really quickly. And then every month for, like, two more years my mom would take me to the bookstore on the day the books were delivered and I would get the newest book. That author is prolific. Yep. yep. A book a month. And that's just goosebumps. He also mm-hmm. wrote fear street, which he released at a pretty frequent cadence. Mm-hmm. And then he had like other like goosebump oh, I, spinoffs and, yeah. and things like and, that. Oh, and he had some other things as well, which we'll talk oh, about. Oh yeah. 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 No, <laughs> fear street was not publishing at the same time as goosebumps. Was it? Fear street was first. Okay. I believe. So let's take a step back. Okay. Let's talk about Goosebumps for a second. Okay. So for listeners who aren't aware, Goosebumps is a book series, a horror series for children written by, so the the nickname on his biography page is the Stephen King of children's literature, which is like, it feels like one of those names you give yourself, but think of it, the Tom Clancy or the James Patterson of children's literature at the least. And this is R.L. Stein. It's a series of short, generally one-offs, although there's some continuity between them, you know, quick hundred page horror books for young kids that give you goosebumps and chills <laughs> to, to get you into rl stein a bit he started off as a humor writer writing under the name jovial bob stein which is <laughs> the funniest thing i've ever heard in my life yeah i'm jovial bob that's how i started my career um jovial I, dave i quickly expunged jovial from my linkedin profile though <laughs> my mine was just amicable ben <laughs> But then people realized it was a lie. It was a sequel to the the novel Gentle Ben, uh, which is also <laughs> a lie. But so so Jovial Bob wrote a lot of joke books, and he also started a magazine for teens called Bananas. Yes, which is pretty funny. <laughs> um, Bananas in the the mid eighties, inspired by Tales from the Crypt and things like that, he started writing this series called Fear Street. He also co-created and was the head writer on the Nickelodeon Junior show Eureka's Castle. Oh, I knew that. Which is I forgot wild. about that. So even before he started writing Goosebumps, just this wildly successful, prolific guy. But to Dave's point, he started the Goosebumps series, and it was just a book a month, a book a month, a book a month. And for me, what this really brings memories of are like the scholastic book ordering forms. Do mm-hmm. you guys remember those? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So there were forms that you would get you'd get them in your classroom every month and it would be like the cheapest possible paper but you could go in and you could order books and goosebumps was perfect for that because you'd get the book thing every month and you would just finish reading that last goosebumps book in time for the next one to come so it was just this money printing machine like wildly popular so i never associated goosebumps with the book fair i was too busy getting bookmarks and cute posters of adorable puppies okay mm-hmm. 
I borrowed them from the library because for whatever reason, in spite of my parents, both liking horror and books and mm-hmm. mysteries and all like everything that <laughs> Hold this, on, your parents like books, books, um, <laughs> I ended up checking them out of the library. And I remember one of my birthdays, it was right after the book that the episode we watched came out. Mm-hmm. My brother gave me a copy of the book and a oh, couple shit. of the others. And I was oh, like, man, oh, I'm man. part of it now. I own my own. And like, it was the biggest deal to me. I, I loved the Goosebumps books because they, they were numbered. They had, they came in the, the I yep. could read them in the order they came out and it yes. like just, just, uh, just matched anxious, neurotic little Dave so well. So much good type A stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. My first book, first Goosebumps book was Say Cheese and Die. I thought the cover was yep. so cool. It had like the Polaroid with the uh, the skeletons uh, yep. on it. Oh man, that was awesome. The hologram your, thing. Yeah. What was your first Goosebumps book that you read? Do you remember? Mine was either The Haunted Mask, which I think is sort of the quintessential one. So mm-hmm. it's the mask that gets stuck on your head or Welcome to Camp Nightmare, which I think was like pod people. I'm trying to remember what the plot of that was. We almost watched that one tonight, yeah. but it was a two-parter, but it was um, some real scary shit when I was nine years old. I think mine was Welcome to Monsterland. Okay, that's, that's one. Yep, the horror themed theme park where you step in line but you never get out. Yeah, <laughs> and eventually these sort of repeated themselves. So there was like four Monster Bloods and six The Haunted Masks and stuff. Yeah, but eight The Night of the Living Dummies. Yeah, yeah. So you know, to Dave's point, there were sixty-two Goosebumps books in the original series. And then it went on hold, but then there were side series, but now in the revival, and now there's like 300 of these fucking books, and they have sold over 400 million copies. I'm still hung up on 62 in the original series. That's insane. It's crazy. That's so many. Yeah, over like five years, he just pumped out books. I can. Well, he pumped I, out outlines and a publisher pumped out books. Whoa. So. Yeah. Whoa. Like James Peeling Patterson. Back the curtain. You leave James Patterson out of this. I will and not. leave R.L. Stein out of this, too. He did nothing. He, he, he entertained children for years in the <laughs> 90s. I'm not saying he didn't. The series was so popular that he was named to People Weekly's most intriguing people list. Oh, <laughs> I've, okay. I'm not sure. Barely missed sexiest, sexiest yeah. man alive. <laughs> no, but he's very <laughs> intriguing. He was on there with... Such luminaries as uh, a Grizzly Man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Dean Koontz. Dean Koontz is intriguing. Yeah, who is he? I've never, like Stephen King's so out there and like you, know, he, he, like, <sighs> you, you know his face. Who's Dean Koontz though? Was Dean Koontz the one who wrote all of like the medical thrillers? I think so. Um, I'm trying to remember. So there was one book I read and it may have been a Dean Koontz. I could be wrong. Where there was like a debilitating virus. I think that's Andromeda Strain by Michael Crichton. Maybe it was. Because, I mean, (laughs) this was a virus that even the strongest man in America couldn't defeat. (laughs) (laughs) There there was a scene where, like, there was a coroner who was doing an autopsy of somebody who had died, but the virus got him. So, like, he took, like, his scalpel and, like, he scalped himself and he was eating his own scalp and he stabbed himself (gasps) in the thigh with the scalpel. It was really gruesome stuff. That's disgusting. Yeah. Screw some stuff. Cool. And I was so turned on. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, Turgid as fuck. But when, like, like any sort of fringe thing that gets popular, what happens? You franchise the shit out of it. Hell yeah, that's right? how you make your money. So there were Goosebumps video games. There were Goosebumps theme park rides. 
there much much later i'm skipping some time here there was the goosebumps movies so the one in 2015 with jack black which is a good movie yeah it's surprisingly good i think the difference between the jack black movie and a lot of the other mm-hmm. spin-offs of the series is that it wasn't cutesy about the books and it didn't feel married to the texts at all it was like oh yeah like this is a hallmark of them but it's okay if we mess with it a little bit yeah Made, kind of made, mold, a, made it, it its own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I saw Jack Black playing R.L. Stein, and I thought, he's so intriguing. I, I didn't think that. <laughs> and then he was named most intriguing man of the year. Yeah. It's like, it's like also a just barely story. missed out on Sexiest Man Alive. That mm, year. He could have made it, though. Mm-hmm. The second movie I, I haven't seen, I haven't heard great things about, but what's your favorite Jack Black movie? Is it Goosebumps, Shallow Hal, or Nacho Libre? <laughs> I have to pick from those three. Yes. Goosebumps. Okay. Uh, it's my mine is the cameo he made in X Files and also the Jackal with Bruce Willis. Oh man. Okay, so the X Files good, but both of you are wrong, and the correct answer is the Holiday. Oh yeah. That's oh, next to my list. Mm-hmm. Uh, my answer is anything except Nacho Libre. <laughs> <laughs> Literally anything being uh, shot in the eye. But we're not here to talk about all that. We're here to talk about the original TV series, the one in the '90s, which is very Canadian. Yes. Um. Very, TM. but by very Canadian, I mean slow and meandering and ultimately pointless. They all have the accent. Ben, let's not insult our neighbors to the north, please. It's not it's them. Not insult. It's just it's their TV production. We've talked about some Canadian TV in the past. Uh, we've talked about Captain Power on the show. Someday, God willing, we'll talk about Canadian teen drama Fifteen. But they all share this kind of not like until we watch Degrassi. Similarity. Another Canadian filmed or produced uh, horror show. Are you afraid of the dark? Yes. Well. I'm wearing my Midnight Society t-shirt today. Whoa. In a, for I the boopery? For the boopery. Oh, man. I'm covered in blood. Why didn't you say this at the beginning, Shailen? <laughs> I was just waiting for the right moment. You're too busy it's denying perfect. the blue sea. <laughs> it's insane. So I don't know if there is an episode of this show for every single Goosebumps book, because that would have involved a lot of comparing, which I was not going to do. But most of... At least all the big ones are there, and I think most of the little ones are, mm-hmm. are TV represented, which is pretty cool. So this show aired on Fox Kids in four seasons and 75 episodes, and it led to some things that feel a little bit insidious, right? So the book series came out, and then the TV series. And the TV series was popular enough that Scholastic, who was the book publishing company, re-released the books with some pictures from the TV series and called them Goosebumps Presents, but they were the exact same oh, books. Oh, yeah. And they released like 50 of these things. I didn't fall That's for that. Not, not this kid. What a fucking trick. <laughs> okay, not, getting those, not getting those books. I love profits as much as the next guy, but man, just like <laughs> preying on children? That's not cool. No, it's preying on the parents of children. It's different. I suppose that's fair. I remember the way that this series started was they had a couple of specials. So I believe The Haunted Mask was one. Welcome to Camp Nightmare might have been one. It was. And I remember it was a big deal uh, in my house when it premiered because it was like on a Saturday night and it was during the, the Halloween-ish season. So we got pizza. I was playing with my Tiger virtual reality headset, which was a humongous piece of shit hmm. um, <laughs> and was a direct competitor of something I'll talk about in a minute. But it, it was a big deal. I have a lot of fond memories for this show. Do they hold up? I guess we'll find out. (laughs) (laughs) So the episode we're talking about here 
is Piano Lessons Can Be Murder, which aired roughly halfway through the first season. And it was directed by a gentleman named William Fruitt, or Fruet, if he's French-Canadian, I'm not sure. He directed a lot of Canadian horror-type things. Okay. So the Canadian horror market is booming, baby. But this episode aired on Saturday, December 8th, 1995. Ben, mm-hmm. scare us up some context. Mm. Ooh, what were we seeing? Ooh. It's contextual feeling. Ooh. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mentioned the, the Tiger Virtual Reality headset. Fall 1995 was the... The rise and the fall of the Nintendo Virtual Boy. Oh, oh. man. The headache-inducing con- game console. the thing console? with, like, the one screen in front of your eye? Yeah. So yeah. it was Nintendo's original attempt at virtual reality. And what it was was picture, if you will, a tripod that you have to set somewhere with, like, a stationary, almost like a Viewmaster. Mm-hmm. And you would have to lean into this tripod. There was no way you could move it around. You'd have to lean into it. And you held a controller that... I guess it kind of looked like a Super Nintendo controller, but with less buttons. And all you saw was a field of black with red images overlaid over the top. So like red vector images. It looked like Tron or it looked like that original Star Wars arcade game. When I used it, I, I don't know what I was playing. It was a, There was a Wario game, I think, for it. Yes, there it was. It looked like someone just put a, a Game Boy screen um, and made it red instead of green into a box that you looked into. That's what it looked like to me. And I was like, this is garbage. Mm. This thing sucks. And yeah. also, I have an instant headache. And I, I wanted it desperately. Despite <laughs> all of that. I'd never had it. I never knew anybody who had it because it was just, it was a real flash in the pan. I remember trying it out in a Sears. So, like, you had to go up and, like, there was a line of people to play it at Sears. And, like, you're just putting your face in this thing. Ugh. And now, you put this in the current context. Like, yeah, that's alarming. That's fucking wild. And I could imagine how many people get pink eye from doing this. Most. But. Yeah, Many. rough times, but better times in the box office. The top movie at the time, Toy Story, the original, which just, oh man, such a good movie. Wow. It's yeah. one of my, probably my top 10 of all movies, which is saying something because mm-hmm. I have a pretty broad range of movies that I like. Too true. Everything from unnecessary roughness hope to Gone floats. with the Wind <laughs> to Hope hmm. Floats, which is one of my top 10 favorite movies. I still have never seen it. But I remember going to see Toy Story with my mom and she was like as into it as we were, which was very rare for her. Sure. It's a very pleasant memory. She bought us popcorn that day. Big deal. My father worked at a, this is the My Father podcast now. Um, <laughs> my father worked at a computer company in the in the 90s and Pixar used their computers to help produce the movie. And so there was this rumor going around my dad's office that they were going to let all of his company's employees with kids go see Toy Story for free. And so my dad told me and my sisters, we were all like hmm. super fucking stoked. And then it turned out it was just a rumor and nobody could go. So we never, we never saw the movie in the theater. Oh, <laughs> really what a tease. Sad. I was like, Dad, you can still bring us. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see it. It looks amazing. Yeah, yeah, it looks so good. Really cool but, stuff. Yeah. Number two, oddly, uh, Father of the Bride Part 2. Huh. Father of the Bride coming up a lot lately. Interesting. And, and it's always relevant. rightfully, rightfully it should. Deserves that spot. Yeah. Martin Schwartz's greatest role. <laughs> there was Father of the Bride Part 2, the Virtual Boy game as well. Which was a weird twist for yeah. Nintendo to do, yeah. yeah. And number three, Goldeneye. Ooh. Okay. Oh, so, boy. Yeah. Great movie. Which legitimately led to a great video game. It did, it did indeed. So it's that kind of week for us here. So the opening of this show, holy shit. 
I'm going to play the song in a minute, but it opens up with who's it's a man with a briefcase that says R.L. Stein. So it is clearly supposed to be R.L. Stein, but he's in like a trench coat and an inspector gadget hat and his briefcase falls open. Where's he going? <laughs> he's at like the top of a hill. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Manuscript pages fall out and they float away. And then like the, the goosebumps G and listeners, if you've never seen it, it's like a G that's dripping goo. It's like, yeah, a, it looks it's like a gooey it's out of slime. Blood. Yeah. yeah. It's a hashtag gooey G and like it hits a billboard with a woman and like it makes her look haggard and it hits a dog and then like the oh, dog's eyes turn yellow and like a, a like a dog voice goes goosebumps <laughs> like what the hell is this it's, it's so it's so chintzy looking too yeah. like they they were like it should have been a big budget show like they, they've got ghosts and monsters yeah. and all that stuff it was not a big budget show. no no but you could have spent just a little a little more money on those eyes that you like superimposed over You've that tried, yeah. It was <laughs> Or just really use something looking. entirely different that didn't look that goofy. Just weird wild stuff. They may as well have just like paused the film, like had someone run over like tape paper eyes over the dog and then run back and resume filming. Like that's how bad it looked. I'm going to improve the opening of this show immediately. We've talked about the the cover artwork on the Goosebumps book. Yeah. And there was one guy who did it all and I don't have his name in front of me. Just take that artwork and like have it transition around or like animate because that is cool and yeah, like you could have the Welcome to the Dead House. Like the I think it's it's just a shot of a door and like Mm -hmm. the stoops and the steps going up to it. Right. Um, Like have that like drawn and then transition it into something real. Right. Yeah. Not this fucking motherfucker that looks like the killer from I Know What You Did Last Summer making a gooey G float all over a city. Like, what, what, I mean, they could have even kept the R.L. Stein silhouette with the briefcase and just showed a bookshelf with the books or they that had, already had the covers yeah, yeah. with the names. They should have had him out there being like, hey, it's me, R.L. Stein. You're going to get some goosebumps. <laughs> did he, he wasn't he in a movie or a commercial at one point? Yeah, he was in the Goosebumps you, I think you're thinking of the Stephen King one where Maybe. he was in the library and he's like, just scares the oh, shit out oh, of you. Read books. I'm Stephen King. Hi. Stephen King, a big nerd. Anyway, here, here's this fucking song. <laughs> Gah! Gah! <laughs> Ooh. Goosebumps. Roof, 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 roof. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it sounds like somebody took their Casio keyboard and just like made the song. They're like, oh, there's a dog option here. Here we go. Oh, <laughs> Don't you remember the Jingle Bell dolls, dogs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what yeah. it sounds like. They went the Goosebumps route with <laughs> good, it. Good God. So not, not a, we're not starting off with a Goosebumps. <laughs> so we immediately meet our protagonist here, and his name is Jerry. And I'm just going to say it. <laughs> Jerry sucked. Yeah, um, accurate. As we go, I'll try to talk about some of the differences between the book and the the show. Jerry is like, he's an imaginative kid, but the way that they portray this is by having him be irritating and just at all times jump into these flights of fancy where he's just narrating a story, but he's not doing it in his head. Like he's just acting out stories at all times. He does this seven times, I counted. Yeah. And I think in the books, they like italicize it, right? And it's a yeah. thought process. Yeah. They don't make him talk out loud. 
Yeah, in the book, it's more like a Walter Mitty thing where it's like, tapaka, 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 tapaka. And then he realizes, oh, I've gone off in a daze and there's people around me watching me. Mm -hmm. And in the show, they were like, no, go straight literal. Narrate what you're doing, Jerry. Let's hear it. People are going (laughs) to, come on, Jerry. Uh, (laughs) 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 People are going to think you're crazy, Jerry. So he's telling the story. He's wearing like a fucking colander on his head. And he's like, oh, there's somebody coming down the stairs. But it's a classic fake out because it's his mom. And we're going to spend a lot of time on these parent characters because there's some stuff going on. But um, Some stuff going on. Here is something that mom says to Jerry. Honey, please stop fantasizing. That's a weird thing. Honey, please stop fantasizing is a weird way to phrase that. Yep. It's a weird thing to say. It's a weird thing to say a lot. Yeah, yeah. and it show. sets the tone for some sexually perverse parent characters because my theory is that the mom and the dad are real, uh, they're real hornballs. I believe that. <laughs> it comes up a lot as we'll come to. It's here. affecting. Jerry walked in on them role-playing and it affected him Ooh. greatly. Mm-hmm. So mom goes upstairs because they're just moving into this new house. Now, it's a nice house, tall ceilings, just as you're in the housing market. Um these are the things you notice. Is this why you picked this this episode to, to trigger all of us? Yeah, we're trying to get a, a house just like Jer's house. Yeah. Maybe with slightly less ghosts. I would like it if we moved into a house and suddenly discovered a piano and said, uh, yes. the realtor didn't say anything <laughs> about a piano. Did you, not, did you not look at the house, idiot? <laughs> this is amazing. So Jerry hears classical music starts to play. And Shalon, this is your realm more than mine because you were born in 1750 Switzerland. It is Ode to Joy. Uh, or Sonata and Moonlight Sonata. Yeah, sure, whatever. He hears the music start to play, and in like a classic horror movie thing, he rips back like the oil stained sheet, and it's this piano. And his dad comes in, and he's like, "Oh man, I didn't know there's a piano here." He also says this: "A player piano? No, it's just a regular piano." (laughs) (laughs) Who's this dude that he (laughs) he didn't know there's a piano in the house, but he knows enough. To look in the inside of a piano and know immediately if it's a player piano or not. What I mean, I'd be able to tell that without opening a piano because oh. it would have a place for the scroll to be like for the music part to be going. That's how a player piano works. Mm-hmm. Now, this is outside of the fact the dad gets so excited about this piano and he goes, why would anyone leave this behind? Because it's a fucking giant piano, yeah, piano dude. Sucks. <laughs> moving pianos is awful. Mm-hmm. It's awful. It's easier to buy a new piano from someone or even just get a free one from someone mm-hmm. than to carry one out of your house. Yeah. This this reminds me of a story about my mother, not my father. I was sick once. I had a, a stomach bug or I drank too much and had an awful hangover. So I was laying down. I was living with my parents. I was laying down on my couch and we had this massive, to your point, Shailen, this massive wall piano could not move it. My mother had decided that day as I was recovering on the couch to take it apart and move it out herself. Oh no. <laughs> so she used a claw hammer. Oh no. to like pry the keys off, but she could mm-hmm. only get a few and she uh tried to just bang the side away from the main part of the piano. Sure. So I woke up <laughs> from this like nap I, I I was taking as I was sick or hungover or whatever just to this bong bong of my mom taking a claw hammer to a fairly expensive nice looking piano and then she destroyed it but it wasn't she didn't destroy it enough to be able to throw it away 
So my father and I then had to move it ourselves oh, out no. the front door, around <laughs> our backyard, and into the woods where it now resides. Uh, it's like part of nature now. You returned it to from whence it's it came. That's beautiful in a right, way. Yeah. Now, right, now there's a yeah. lovely piano it's tree growing. Circle. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's made of ivory. There's a raccoon living in there now. I had a piano in our in the family room when I was a kid. Did you tickle the ivories? I couldn't tickle the ivories okay. because my cousins had peeled the ivory parts off of the keys. Mm-hmm. So you just tickled the keys. I just tickled the keys. My Ugh. my dad either traded it or sold it to someone to make space. For his very nice Klipsch La Scala speakers. We can't um, mention brand names without yes, copyright Yes, we can. That's fine. But I remember being like really sad about the piano going away, even though I barely played it. And then my dad was so excited about his speakers. And I was so excited because the speakers came in giant boxes. And I got to make an inside fort oh, with shit. multiple oh, rooms. Oh, shit. It was awesome. And then awesome. you drew on the side of it and you were like, welcome to the dead house. No, I this drew a piano on it. <laughs> <laughs> you could have just lived inside the piano i probably could have that's pretty big no dave when your family ruined that piano mm-hmm. did you at least get some wire out for a potential assassination tool no i couldn't could I, 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 I couldn't couldn't do it it's bullshit it's i mean part. you could go back to the woods now and get some yeah that's true they're yeah. still very much intact probably go out to the woods and get some that was my um my high school motto the credo i lived by <laughs> it sits under my family crest Go out to the woods and get some. <laughs> that explains the t-shirts. Hell yeah. On a blue sea banner uh, <laughs> with a bear claw on the insignia. And a, and a claw hammer as well. Yeah. So the dad and Jerry have a weird relationship. I'm going to play a couple clips here back to back. Put it out, dad. <laughs> you know, a little wax, a little polish. This would be a beaut. Hey, you want to make this our little project? No, thanks. <laughs> I do not like that out of context. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I don't either. The dad be a beaut. He gives Jerry a, like a noogie, and he appears to openly have contempt for his son. And he's very horny. I was a big fan of the dad character. <laughs> he's a very horny man. I don't think that he has contempt for him. I think he's just like I brought this weirdo into the universe, and I do not know what well, to do with it. So th- they're talking, and then you cut to the next morning, and they're in this breakfast nook. Mom and dad are eating breakfast. There's a grapefruit. There's a there's cereal box. I don't know what's going on there. But that breakfast table is set beautifully. It's a well balanced breakfast. It was well staged. He's like he doesn't have hobbies. <laughs> He's got to talk to somebody. And then Jerry's right there. He just not reacting to this whatsoever. It's just this insane family dynamic. Yep. And then mom's like, well, you know, he is a weirdo. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's true. He's very strange. But some yeah. children are strange. Yeah. It, but like they just moved in and they haven't given him a chance to acclimate or do anything like adjust like yeah like it's a perfectly natural thing for a kid uh, a kid his age anyway to be imaginative and also like you're disrupting his life like he should be out playing sports (laughs) yeah he should have joined a sports team immediately why isn't he joining sports team maybe that's your job parents he does enjoy sports because we do see him in the driveway and he's throwing a ball and a net and when not a net funicello, like a string net, um, but it bounces. The, the, and you say that I'm the old person. The ball was so um, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> so the ball bounces off the net. It does this every time because this happens a couple of times. When the ball's in midair, they slow the frame rate on the camera down to like one frame a second for some reason. It's like it's the natural one. But anyway. So like he's telling a story, but 
some girl catches the ball and this is Kim who lives across the street. Now in the book, this is an important character because Kim is a violinist. She knows more about the shriek school and says like, Oh, that's a bad place. Don't go there. Like kids have gone in there and not come out, which is something that is not addressed in the show whatsoever. We'll we'll get there, but yeah, I think it it feels like they cut that out completely because like, she's the reason why he wants to do the piano lessons, which they make clear. And with chemistry like this, how could you not want to impress this girl? We just moved in. Yeah, I know. Your new house has been vacant for a long time. Ah, uh, yeah. There was an old piano in the basement. <laughs> that chemistry just, ooh, it's burning through my ears here. Crackling Some people get screen. nervous when they talk to new people, so you just blurt out facts. Mm-hmm. I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Did you know that Annette Funicello... Is it a certain movie? <laughs> At work one time, I just uh, I met a new person. And I just started talking about my kids' sleep schedules. I walked away. I was like, why did, uh, why did I do that? I have no idea. They just went, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. I said I walked away. They walked away from me. As long as somebody walked away, that's the important yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm so sad. So Jerry finds like a half-page ad in the local dish rag for piano lessons. <laughs> and he's like, mom, dad, I got to get piano lessons. Now, mind you, we're like eight minutes into the show at this point, and I'm only very slightly exaggerating. This show takes so fucking long to get going, but... And that's why you don't get subplots about the Shriek School. Finally, we're going to the school, which is called the Shriek School. Now, it's in like an industrial warehouse. There's a sign that says Shriek School. Before Jerry gets there, he hears the piano playing again in the basement, and he goes down, and he sees like an apparition playing on on the thing you don't hear from the this ghost yet but he sees it's a ghost and it turns around and it's like ghost and he screams and mom and dad come downstairs in their skivvies clearly like they were in the middle of of poke mahoning yeah i don't know that it's clearly no no it's clear god it was mid-coitus i was gonna say something really (laughs) dad's gonna ball gag on i was gonna say uh dad had a moist spot on the front of his shorts God damn it. You went subtle. (laughs) Yeah. I'll cut that out. Uh, I don't like that one. No, I like it. That's too blue. That's too blue. So so anyway, so they they think he's weird. Uh, There's other (laughs) nocturnal emissions happening here. There's more that happens. Uh, We'll we'll get further into this as we go. So mom is driving Jerry to the the school, and they're having just another normal conversation. The ghost said stay away. Jerry. Maybe she meant stay away from this place. I thought we were going to try to stop fantasizing. <laughs> Jesus. Ugh. It's like they weren't even in the sound booth together. She just yeah. recorded her lines and he was somewhere else. And just they, they stitched it together. Uh, she thought her character was talking to the husband character. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. Because who would name a kid Jerry? Yeah, that, that is a problem. Yeah. Jerry, not a name you hear too often these days. No, outside no. of Seinfeld. I know some Jerry's. How old are they? Older than me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's the fucking point. So they notice that the school looks like a prison and there's like a security camera. And Jerry very creepily goes to mom, who's fantasizing now, mom. Ugh. And here's her reaction to that. No. <laughs> oh, huh? oh, my. Oh, my. He turned so, around and she like quickly pulls her hands out of her pants. Oh, 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 oh my God. Oh. <laughs> so they. Sorry, I thought you were inside. <laughs> they buzz into the school. And here you meet one of the, well, I'm just going to spoil it. He's an antagonist. They meet Dr. Shriek. Now, Dr. Shriek's look, he's got on like a beret and he's got on like a flowery bow tie, 
this man could not look more nefarious <laughs> at so, all. So this is Dr. Vink. Yes. From, then, okay. from yep. Are You Afraid of the Dark? Is it the actor or is it just... Arl Stein's version of Dr. Fink. No, it's the, it's the actor. Same guy. It's the exact okay. same guy. Yeah. So Amazing. I love that's it. That's where I recognize this guy from. So this guy's name is Aaron Tager. He was in a million things. Yeah. Not only was he Dr. Shriek and Dr. Vink, he's the voice of Cranky Kong in Donkey Kong Country. All right. Whoa. Which is amazing stuff. What's important about him here is that he does not know what the fuck accent he has. Yeah. Well, there's that. Very there's confusing. The fact that he looks like a sex pest. I'm just going to say it. Yep. And... Here's like one of the first things he says. Yeah. But with hands like these, I'm sure you'll be a perfect student. With the mom there, he's just rubbing Jerry's hands and it's like, holy Jesus. And she just goes, well, we just moved into a new house. Gotta go. (laughs) Have fun, Jerry. I hope you remember the address, buddy. Bye. God damn. Oh, look at these hands. The beautiful hands. Beautiful. The curvature of your fingers. Now Jerry is starting to play the piano a little bit. And Dr. Shriek, all of a sudden, he staggers a little bit and he starts looking at his hands. Hold on. They just don't work like they used to. Which, spoiler, is a clue. But I watched the scene and I rewatched it because Jerry's like, what's wrong with your hands? As far as I can tell, there's nothing wrong with his hands. They're just, he's just kind of finger curled. They don't show him like, clutching them or, yeah. or like you know oh they're so sore or something he doesn't act like in pain he's just sort of like oh they don't work like they used like what what indicated him to say that or yeah or what, for <laughs> well, jerry the, to ask the that. script said that now yeah. i have the script to. said yeah. they finish up their lesson and jerry immediately sees a door that says do not enter and he starts telling like this fucking dumbass indiana jones story and re- really deserves everything he gets here so he wanders down into like a restricted part of the music school where he is the only student and he runs into, okay, it looks like Tom Servo from Mystery Science oh, Theater. It looks yeah, like yeah. the chopping mall robot. Yep. It looks like like a, a vegetable strainer with like a roll of paper towels up top. It's supposed to be this huge menacing robot that chases him up and down hallways for 29 seconds. And it's just him yelling and being like, ah! what do i do and then you see the robot and there's sirens flashing he, like, forgets how to run he's just like slamming into walls. yeah he's yeah i've never seen anybody run like this it's the opposite of the tom cruise run when you see tom cruise run you're like this guy is a pro he knows what he's doing you that see jerry false he, he's gonna get point a to point b as fast as possible because mm-hmm. he's got those aerodynamic hands back straight not running into walls those teeny tiny legs that do not eat up the pavement in any way because he doesn't lift his feet high enough. <laughs> he doesn't have to. He's, he flies. He flies, baby. Yeah. So he is going to get killed by the robot, and then he runs into another character here. Oh, that is my floor sweeper. Simple but effective. So this is Mr. Toggle, who is the janitor at the school. Dr. Shriek earlier presented him as a mechanical genius. I've heard he's a real mechanical genius. <laughs> and Mr. Toggle's like, well, I programmed him to say that. And he couldn't be winking anymore when I know. he says it. Like, there, like, you could have just said, I made him say that. And the subtlety <laughs> gets across. And you and it's like, you finish the episode. And you're like, oh, oh okay. I see. That's funny. I, I like that. told him to say that. Mr. Toggle looks like a young Benjamin Franklin. He looked to me like he would have fit in well on like Pete and Pete, but he was never on Pete and oh, Pete. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So Jerry goes home. And 
we get this weird sequence where he's fucking around on the scales and then all of a sudden like he sits bolt upright and he's playing the piano and then he falls asleep and then it was a dream and then he's in the basement and the ghost is is playing piano but then she turns the ghost like comes out of him yes 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 there's that too so she's like part of his body but here we get to hear the, some some ghastly talk. Stay away from the street school. It is evil, evil. <laughs> this was arguably my favorite part of this episode. Mm-hmm. Again, questionable accent. Also, I want to point out someone got paid to read the line that way. Yeah. She got a paycheck for that. Very Canadian. The ghost sounds like Moira Rose from Schitt's Creek. Just yep. the, mm-hmm. the way she delivers. It's, she also sounds she like... She sounds evil. <laughs> <laughs> David. <laughs> nope. Hello there, maestro. <laughs> We're going to play the piano. <laughs> and it's evil. It is nefarious. <laughs> We definitely just improved upon this episode. We need to oh, sure. come up with a crossover. <laughs> this ghost is loquacious. <laughs> I'm going to make an admission here. Yeah. I don't understand the ghost logic in this show. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. Why is she helping just Jerry? Right. In the book, the ghost is a former student of the Shriek School. So the ghost has no hands and she was accosted there. Right. In the TV version... And we'll, we'll get in more depth as we go. It's established pretty early on that the house used to be owned by the piano teacher. Right. Who this ghost is. But why would she know about the Shriek School? Like, why? Why anything? Was she killed there? Why is she haunted? Like, yeah. Why does she possess him? How does she end right, up back at right. the school? Her unfinished business is unclear at mm-hmm. best. Sure yeah. enough. If you haven't read the book, then the TV show suffers greatly. Mm-hmm. It's like the second Harry Potter movie where when you're watching it, all of a sudden there's like extra stuff and you're like, when did that happen in the movie? And the answer is Thank it you. didn't happen in the I movie. I was very confused by that movie and still pissed off 17 years later. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense if you haven't read the book. Yeah. In both cases. Speaking of getting creators out of their creations. Uh, yeah. Okay, let's get J.K. Rowling out of here. We've had about enough of you, Joe. <laughs> I've had enough of her since before she turned into a heinously evil human I being. I don't think she turned that way. Before she was open about it. Mm-hmm. So th- there's this. I have not liked her since before. There's this, this weird thing going on where obviously people love that property and a new game got announced for the new PlayStation and the new Xbox. It and looks it's pretty a, good. It looks great. It, it looks really cool. It's a prequel to the Harry Potter times, but you're, you're playing, you're, you're a wizard. And the company that made it was Warner Brothers. And they came out explicitly and said, you know, JK was not involved in creative process. You know, this is something we did all on our own. And they were asked the follow-up question, you know, well, is she getting royalties? And they said, we can't comment on that because of course she is. Yeah, it's her problem. She's, you know, she's yeah. a savvy businesswoman yeah. and an evil human so being. So it's just one of those things where it's like, oh man, that game looks fun. And like Harry Potter land and Universal Studios is really cool. But yeah, anyway. How do you I, ethically yeah. interpret that? Yeah. And we're not here to answer that question, Shailen. I know you I'm just raising that it the exists. Ethics, but... I'm just raising that the question exists. You know, it hashtag raise the ethics. Ooh, sorry, so anyway, Jerry sees the ghost and he starts screaming. And the way this is shown on the, on the show is they shine up like a bright spotlight on him and he squinches up against the wall as if 
he was like an old timey robber. You know what I mean? Like he was trying to <laughs> escape from prison and the cops shown the spotlight on him. He flattens on the wall <laughs> and mom and dad come down the stairs um, in the same clothes they were wearing before. So that's their, their sex outfit. Yeah. And Jerry's like, look, a ghost. And what does dad see? That's just bonkers. That's all you saw. <laughs> their cat named that's Bonkers. Bonkers the cat. <laughs> that's just bonkers. I think that's that's classic R.L. Stein is to name something mm-hmm. like that so he can make that joke later. Like you know, For sure. That, that's crazy the cat. That's bonkers the cat. That's you know <laughs> it's in every single like there there's just a word. Does it a lot, cat. yeah. That's plot twist, the cat. Yeah. <laughs> that's denouement. <laughs> so Oh, that's climax, my hamster. <laughs> Another thing to add to my horny daddy theory. Come on, let's go to bed. Yeah, come on, honey. Mm, better believe it. Mm, I'm still quivering, honey. The next morning oh. <laughs> oh my oh. God, they're what? talking about sending ben Jerry said gooey G earlier. Yeah, gooey G makes sense because it's a gooey G. Yeah. Quivering is just gross. I don't like the word quivering. Do you like the word gooey? No, it's what's your least favorite word? Moist. Mm. I don't. Moist doesn't bother me. Panties. Okay. Moist panties. Yeah, I don't like panties. Panties. <laughs> panties. Panties. Hey Ben. Panties. <laughs> I don't. Does bother me. Words don't bother me. These were like moist. People don't like it because it sounds weird and like. Well, people are insane. Like, who? Yeah. I think they also associate word. like a negative, like this feeling of socks, like moist socks. Oh, socks, the Clinton's cat. Yeah. A joyful and warm and cuddly. Never moist. <laughs> so I've heard. Never moist. Yeah. Hashtag never Quote moist. Quote the raven. Mm-hmm. Hashtag never moist. moist. <laughs> Damn it. So the next morning comes <laughs> and they're talking about sending Jerry to like go see a psychiatrist. And then dad immediately, immediately switches tact here. And he looks at mom, right? And he says, you know what the best feeling in the world is? And then it's weird because I wasn't expecting this because like it's, it's the family in the house. All of a sudden at, to respond to dad's question, Dr. Shriek comes in and he responds. Keep the fingers curved. You know? Oh, <laughs> gross, Ben. And then mom like slides under the table. Oh, it's just a, no. She's like all quivering. Weird, weird stuff, guys. Mom, your chair is shaking. (laughs) We're back at the school again. And there's there's a scene where Jerry is playing piano with Dr. Shriek. And holy fuck. It goes on for like four minutes. He's just badly playing piano. And then all of a sudden, Dr. Shriek starts flipping the fuck out. Stop that! Your hands are precious. Precious. And then he's like, beautiful hands! But he says that because he chews on a hangnail. Is that what he does? I mean, yeah. who the fuck is? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to get us to the finish line here. <laughs> Keep going. Press on. So It's so, again, like the, the, the it's insidious, right? There's no, there's no transitions to any of this either. They're just things that are happening. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. Scene to scene to scene. Because in the book, it starts with Dr. Shriek coming to the house and then it progresses. Like, okay, you need to come to the school for private lessons and it kind of builds and builds. Here it's just... On his second lesson, Dr. Shriek's like, I got to eat your fucking hands. So he tries to grab Jerry's hands. And Jerry's like, oh, shit. And he runs away. And he starts running down the same hallway from before. Because we only had three sets here. And there's another just interminable chase scene. It goes on for a long time. It sounds a lot like this. And it just, it's that music, and it's just, toggle, beautiful hands, toggle, beautiful, beautiful hands, boop, 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 and you're like, holy shit, this is just, beautiful hands. wouldn't you know it, Jerry ends up at another no admission allowed door, 
And previously he'd been told this is the recital hall, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he goes in and in the book, it really is a recital hall. Yep. But here it's like a boiler room where there's a lot of pianos where there are just <laughs> disembodied hands playing the pianos. So, okay. We blew the budget on these. Yeah. On the ghost. These disembodied hands. It raises the qu- a few questions here, right? We find out. You know, let, let's go ahead. Let's get to the big reveal. Then, then we can talk through this. So the, the hands are playing piano, and they're playing piano okay. Like, they're fine. They're, they're not bad. This becomes important in a moment. Shriek comes in, and he's like, got Jerry's hands. And Mr. Toggle points a remote at Dr. Shriek, and he turns off, and his hands fall off. Jerry, <laughs> Jerry's now holding these disembodied robot hands, and he's totally fine. Him and Mr. Toggle start having this conversation. It's totally normal. He's crazy. He's a robot. They all are. He's really lifelike, don't you think? Yeah. Thanks for stopping. <laughs> and he's just standing there. Yeah, he almost tried to kill me. He just this chased me down the hallway and tried created. to eat my hand. Yeah. So this is weird enough. And then here's the next thing Mr. Toggle says. Your hands, Cherry. Let me see your hands. And this fucking idiot gives him his hands. How about <laughs> you fucking fuck idiot? no? God Who made the robot, damn. Jerry? Come on. Jerry. Now he's in Toggle's grip and Toggle explains hands are too hard to create. So he, I don't know if these were robot hands playing the pianos or if the, the, most of them couldn't have been because the ghost doesn't have hands. So he's cut hands off of people and has like used the bones to make robots. It's, it's not clear. It's not clear if they're real hands, where they came from or why nobody had reported. Oh, there's a lot of motherfuckers with missing hands in this town. So, What's going on? In the book, it's that he has created robots and you can't create robot hands because the joints are too complicated. So he severs the hands off of his students. Mm-hmm. He then programs the human hands to operate like they're, he roboticizes them almost. Okay. okay. And there are questions about kids going missing and students going missing mm-hmm. and such. Like that, Those questions are raised. This episode does a terrible job of giving you any information. Yeah, it's truly baffling because he's just holding them, and then all of a sudden the ghost pops out, right? She sure do. She comes at the school somehow. Again, ghost logic, a little fuzzy. She talks to Mr. Toggle. You've gone too far, I warn you. This time you've gone too you're a real kookaburra, Mr. Toggle. She, <laughs> I don't know where my origins are. I think I'm Mr. From Toggle, you've gone too far now. <laughs> and aside from her fucking bizarre accent, I say you are a Lothario. <laughs> what is she talking about? I warned you not to mess with the, what the she, fuck yeah, is it? I who think... is this ghost to Toggle? Is it an old teacher? Isn't a former student of his? She talks about him as a lazy boy and things like that. So yeah. I don't know if it was like she was mom? his mom. I mean, she, there's clearly a relationship. I don't yes. know if she was his mom or she was his teacher. Or both. Or both. But clearly he has killed her and cut off her hands. Right. But she warned him. It's the creepiest part of this story in the the, the TV story here. Like, yeah. it, like just to think about who, what happened to these two 
people like mm-hmm. you know was she abusing him and yes <laughs> you lazy boy and like and I he, mean, he got so like, mad he cut off his even as a ghost she's abusing him yeah yeah, yeah. and then he, he becomes a murderer it's, yeah oh it's so and here like he reverts creepy. back to like childhood and he's like i tried my best uh, yeah practiced every day you were lazy yeah man it's just fucking odd so you were lazy <laughs> You asked Jerry to paint the white fence, (laughs) metaphorically speaking. And around, and around. Ben hasn't watched Shit's Creek, and it's making me laugh. I I can only equate it back to the B-52s, which is the only thing I really understand. (laughs) But it wasn't a hand. (laughs) It was a hand piano. Um, So Jerry runs outside (laughs) where his parents are waiting, both of them. This is the funniest thing in the entire episode. He gets in the car, and he's like, go, go. And the sign falls down in the Shriek School and sheet music starts flying out of the front door. And then the car starts bouncing up and down. Why is the car shaking? And and mom is screaming and then the ghost comes out. Because you don't see him, but the dad's in there. What is Yeah, I know. (laughs) That car's a knocking. Don't come a rocking. Um, Just weird, wild stuff. I I laughed and I laughed. And then we we come back for the final part here, which is Jerry playing baseball with Kim. And he's like, yep, no more piano. And then he catches the the baseball, and she says, "Good hands." <laughs> he like but he it's... looks and he he does like the people's eyebrow, and he nods. <laughs> We're just like, what, what what is going on? And then you cut back to the ghost and Mister Toggle in the worst green screening I've ever seen oh, in my life. Man. Yep, you could see all the edges, but supposedly they're in the boiler room, but but clearly not at all. What did they green screen? Like I felt like they green screened the boiler room. I felt yeah. like they green screened the piano, like. All of it. it yeah. Just, it, and yeah. the ghost. Right. So it's weird. So he's just playing piano and Will for Eternity. So the, the school is still there. Ostensibly, he's still in the basement. Or maybe she killed him. Who, who the yeah. fuck knows? And then it cuts back to Jerry and he's like, what's the deal with ghosts? I've got goosebumps. <laughs> Story's so scary. <laughs> Why are they called goosebumps? They don't look like geese. <laughs> That's a little goosebumps for you. Um, so we also here have a few horror well, we have horror movie trailers, but they're horror movie typed things here. Dave, you pulled these, and I think we all remember, you know, classic slasher movie commercials and things like that. Yeah, I found a treasure trove of mm-hmm. Halloween themed commercials from like the seventies, eighties, and nineties, and sprinkled throughout are these uh, short trailers. So, so you get the long ones. There's like a there's a Friday the Thirteenth trailer out there. It's like mm-hmm. two and a half minutes long, and it's just one guy going one. Two, three. <laughs> and he counts all the way to 13, and they have to set up each kill before the kill actually happens. It's effective, but not for this show. So these ones are little little uh, teaser trailers. They're really good. There was like a Halloween one. There was a, a Friday the 13th one. But I found some good ones here. This is one we, we've mentioned a lot on the podcast. It's not... I can't remember if this is part of Halloween canon, but it is a much mm-hmm. maligned movie in the in the halloween library if you will but uh, it's halloween 3 season of the witch first there was halloween then the terror continued with halloween 2 now halloween 3 the night no one comes home the world's going to change tonight doctor Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Happy Halloween. Rated R. Starts Friday at a theater near you. Check newspapers. So 
for listeners who don't know, so Halloween 1 and 2 focused on Michael Myers. And ostensibly, at the end of Halloween 2, Michael Myers and Dr. Loomis both die. But John Carpenter had the idea that the franchise should continue, but should be like an anthology series. So here you get this really ill-conceived movie about a fat doctor, (laughs) real fucking (laughs) fat fuck doctor, uh, who's dealing with like Irish Stonehenge witches and toys. The idea of a Halloween anthology series, not bad, but to do it this way is one of the most ill-conceived ideas that I could think of in, in cinema. Is this the Stonehenge doctors with the masks? Yes. Yes. So what's also important to note then is the mind control aspect. Right. So the, they've got androids that are um, they're filled with like moist orange goo. It looks like the end of Roger Rabbit. When um, yes. when Judge Doom tries to punch Eddie Valiant and Eddie Valiant holds up like the glue and it's like this weird orange sticky shit. Yep. That's what these androids are filled with. So there's a body horror element. It's got Tom Atkins, who's a fine actor, but like he's supposed to be a fucking doctor here, but he's just wearing the satin jacket all the time. He's <laughs> puffing and puffing his big dopey ass around. It's mustachioed. Yeah. Yeah. Just a fucking... It's a strange God movie. Damn, it's a bad movie. Yeah, and I um, so I picked it because I knew you loved it, Ben. <laughs> it's fun to watch. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and that song that like that awful song that plays forever at yep. the end, the uh, the commercial slogan or, or jingle. Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? Is it a jingle? It's a jingle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My friend would warn me against it. Like we we he and I would rent horror movies all the time, and we loved the Halloween franchise. We watched one, two four five six over and over and over again mm-hmm. and every time i would pick up three because the cover was really cool looking you're right it's like these the silhouettes of these kids trick-or-treating and looked really like kind of dark and scary and i kept bringing it up to him he had rented it himself and watched it mm-hmm. and every time i was like we should rent this man i have to complete the series i haven't seen this and he would just go no it's awful we're mm-hmm. not watching it it is so bad years later right. i watched he it right. and he was right he was right it's such a terrible movie I should have I should have heeded his warnings. It does have two of my favorite scenes in horror movies. One is the truly disturbing scene where like the family they're testing out the masks because the idea is there are these Halloween masks with coins in the back that have pieces of Stonehenge that when the jingle plays they'll shoot lasers through people or whatever, right? Or they'll be infected by the spirit of Sam Hain. I don't know what's going on. Anyway, so there's a family that is in like a test room and the kid puts the mask on and. He starts clutching his head and the mask starts melting and there's snakes crawling out and like the parents have heart attacks and die. And you're like, actually, that's corny as shit, but it's kind of disturbing. Yeah, it's disturbing. One of the ways that Tom Atkins gets out of the situation is somehow in this factory, the evil dude has transported Stonehenge in. I don't know how he did it. He like he shipped (laughs) it over from Ireland. The whole of it. (laughs) But to get out of this, Tom Atkins goes up on a catwalk and he's got a box of these coins with the lasers and stuff. And if you pick up a box full of things, like a regular size cardboard box, you dump the contents out. How long does that take? Second, second. Two, se- two seconds. Two seconds. Yeah. This guy is pouring these coins, just a regular size cardboard box, for at least forty-five seconds. It's leprechaun treasure. <laughs> he's just he's pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring. And there's sparks the Scrooge McDuck cool a uh, point. Uh, cool yes. Points. <laughs> Pool of coins. There we Pool go. Pool of coins. They they paid Pool Tom Atkins coins. in Big Macs for that movie. Did you know that? I did not know that. I'm not surprised. <laughs> he turned down his normal payment. So Big, Halloween. Big 3. Macs and menthol cigarettes. Weird movie. So we've got another one here. 
Yes, this is um, American Werewolf in London, which is a classic horror film. It is delightful. And what's more delightful is this trailer, which tried to appeal to many different audiences. So, <laughs> so many audiences. Play, play this clip, please. Take it from Wolfman Jack. The critics and I agree. This is the most outrageous horror film that you'll ever see because David is having the most frightening nightmares of his life. I think I did some terrible things last night, things I can't remember. It may have been someone he ate. From the director of Animal House. A different kind of animal. An American werewolf in London, rated R. Now playing in a selected theater near you. Check your local newspaper for listings. Check oh, your local newspaper. This was truly bizarre. <laughs> this movie is horrifying, right? Yeah. The, yeah. the transformation of David Naughton from the making it of fame, him turning into the werewolf is terrifying. It, yep. it's, it's, it's body horror at its grossest for me. And then they just turn it around and be like, oh, from the makers of Animal House. Oh, <laughs> Wolfman Jack. Yeah, it's crazy. But, so my memory of this movie was being at my cousin's house, well, my aunt and uncle's house with my cousin. Oh, okay. Well, thank you um, for that clarification. And I was I was the baby by four and a half years amongst that group. Mm-hmm. And my uncle and aunt were way more alert and protective of things than my family ever was. Mm-hmm. So my cousins picked this movie out and I was like nine. And there was a preview for a PG-13 movie on the video cassette. And my uncle came in the room and said, we agreed only PG. And my cousins were like, yeah, yeah, no, it's just a preview. It's fine. And they were like, <laughs> Shaylin, whatever you do, don't scream. You'll ruin it for everyone. And so I watched like I watched the whole thing. It's a fucking great movie. Mm-hmm. That's great. Definitely not appropriate for a kid under the age of 10. Sure. Uh, Grow up. But thank you, cousins, for the exposure in spite of your dad attempting to intervene on my behalf. Mm-hmm. This commercial would have sold me on it. Without, <laughs> like, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, uh, who, this looks fun. It's campy. I always wow, ask myself, Animal House. I love that movie. I gotta go yeah. see it. Who was this commercial appealing to? Like, it's a Children. horror movie. Not ironically, it just it is. So, like, this commercial tries to appeal to Wolfman Jack fans, classic rock fans, and fans of Animal House, and doo-wop fans. Like f- fans of Animal House. Mm, I don't know. Like. Probably like other movies, like they've probably nope. seen other horror no. movies. Nope. Like, no, this Animal House, just just raunchy, <laughs> raunchy frat comedies. <laughs> like, picture the one person who's like, okay, well, I like movies, but I really only like Animal House, so I'm I'm not too sold yeah. on this, even with the connection. But you know what? I am a huge Wolfman Jack fan. Yeah. <laughs> so you got Wolfman Jack doing the voiceover, baby. But I'm looking at my p- paper. I'm calling up one eight hundred movie phone. You give me that ticket time right now. Did they choose Wolfman Jack because it's a werewolf movie? Yeah, of course they did. I, yeah, yeah. And the, do you feel like the marketers not only never saw any werewolf movie, specific, not not this particular mm-hmm. like part of the genre, but no one gave them a synopsis of the plot? Well, I don't think that's relevant. But I mean, you can put this in the file of good ideas never die because the same strategy happened again for Jack Nicholson's wolf. It was struggling in the box office. <laughs> Somebody said, get me WMJ. And he went and he did a little voiceover. Hey. Who was the uh, the lead actress in that? Was it Nicole Kidman? Is it Michelle Pfeiffer? Michelle Pfeiffer. You're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that that movie was not it's a weird not movie. Great well. either. Um, <laughs> it, it reminded me of the the Star Wars trailer that we watched. 
it was like clearly done before the movie was finished. Action. It was like, yes. a story of a girl, a boy, and the universe. Star Wars. It's not wrong. Mm. Yeah. It's just not right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wolfman Jack, here's a quick synopsis. A guy goes for, to, to London. He's an American, and he becomes a werewolf. Go. But I will tell you, his hair was perfect. Mm. David Nottens? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Because he saw a werewolf just the, the other day. The, what do you got now? His tailor. Uh, I see. Yeah. Also, it, it's, like, it's about the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I, I crapped all over that joke, Shannon. I'm so sorry. It's fine. But David Nottens' hair is wonderful in that. That's in that true. Movie. That's good. He's got a nice, nice, nice like, quaffed. Make it's it. no Donald Trump hair. Should it's I looking s- even stronger oh since he conquered Stop the it. Cor- <laughs> No? You know what we're doing this? No. <laughs> Fine. Can I have one aspect of my life that he's not part of? This motherfucker was going to do a Willy Wonka bit. That's insane. I don't need it's to so, go into a fast that. Oh, God. <laughs> just, it it would have been so amazing. so baffling. Like, just... I think both of you are saying infuriating the wrong way. Mm, maybe. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I meant baffling. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, let's let's get into um, an even scarier topic than than Donald Trump, and that, of course, is Freddy Krueger. <laughs> this uh, just yeah. just play the clip. Foolish friends, Freddy Krueger is on your phone. Dial this number now. I've got some tales to tell. Freddy's favorite bedtime stories. <laughs> Deadtime stories, all brand new, straight from my boiler room to your home. It's Freddy Krueger on your phone. So dial this number now if you dare. Tell them Freddy sent you. Two dollars the first minute, 45 cents each additional minute. Children, get your parents' permission before you dial. They took Macho Man and just slowed him down. (laughs) 360 degrees, Freddy. (laughs) This was clearly past the point where Freddy Krueger was like, a formidable villain, and he became like a, like a trickster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just camp. He wasn't hurting children anymore. He was just causing light pranks in the neighborhood. Right, right. So this is a hotline you could call. It was a one nine hundred number, and there was a contest that if you so it was a trivia thing. So like mm-hmm. if you you called up, you answered the trivia, and you got it right, you would go to the next round, and it would go on forever. And the winner of the trivia contest would get a role in the uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street film. Mm-hmm. That was filming at the time, hmm. but what? Um, yeah, so that was the history behind this call uh, or this. Uh, they this said hotline. it was dead time stories. They didn't say anything about trivia. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's kind of weird, but um, so it turned into a trivia this. contest, this and weird. the amount of articles I found online just of people racking up insane phone bills because these calls would last like forty five minutes. Yep. And back in that day, to call one one nine hundred numbers, it would cost you a lot of money. So like a lot of a lot of people posted on like subreddits of this, like um, just like how much money their dad had to spend <laughs> on the phone bill. It's it's pretty good. But the concept behind this is so odd. We, no, we're, we're gonna take this this horror movie figure and just play this this one nine hundred number late at night and hope people call. Like I, I what a what a marketing ploy this is. Well, Yes. So, so two questions I have about this. One, do you think it was actually like obviously it was pre-recorded, but do you think it was Robert England actually telling the dead time stories? I, maybe. Maybe. I think it, I think one hundred percent was. I yeah, bet it was. Yeah. That man was so into that character that I can't picture. Is he still the, alive? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The second thing is, you know, nine hundred lines during this period, like late eighties, early nineties. God knows why, but they they really were all over the place. 
I remember in World Championship Wrestling, Mean Gene's hotline was something he always pushed, like, is a superstar jumping ship? Call now. And Oh, yeah, he always had the the hot wrestling tip. Yeah, like $4 the first minute, 75 cents after. Did you guys ever call any of these? I never called the 900 numbers that cost money, but there was was an 800 line for (laughs) OK Soda, Mm. 1-800-I-FEEL-OKAY. And you could listen to people giving testimony about how a great thing happened in their life. Mm -hmm. And then they woke up and they found a can of OK Soda under their pillow. And you could record (laughs) your own stories Mm. and people would hear those. So we spent a whole summer calling 1-800-I-FEEL-OK, which my dad questioned when he looked at the phone bill, but it didn't charge us anything. I see. So it was like the safe version. (laughs) I never called that, but our our sometimes co-host Mike... He and I would call food hotlines, like the numbers on the sides of, of food boxes. Like, oh, okay. We would call like, like celestial, celestial seasonings. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And complain about our, how hot our tea was. <laughs> <laughs> I called the hood company one time and I asked them if their product was tested on animals. And the, <laughs> the lady didn't know what to do with me. She had this great Southern drawl. And she just went, ma'am. It comes from an animal. <laughs> Y'all are just a couple of jerky boys with these, yeah, these crank yeah. calls. Oh, man. Such a crank call. Oh, but no, I never I, I never called that. a 1900 number. I, th- I think it would have been murdered by my parents if I. Yeah, if those I charges start showing up. Yeah. Did you, Ben? No. No, never. I was a good boy. You didn't call Mean Gene once? Never. Um, I'm trying to remember if I called the Nintendo helpline once, and I don't think that I did. So I'm, I'm pretty sure I avoided that. What I will say, this is a bit that's been done, and so I will not repeat it here, but anytime like these numbers come up and you know, podcast or radio hosts call like old eight hundred and nine hundred lines, there are only two outcomes, you know, like it's like death and taxes. One outcome is that it's disconnected, the other is that it's a sex line. They've all become sex lines at this point, right? Most of them, yeah, when they call are sex lines. So I bet if you call one nine hundred nine oh nine Fred, which is fucking funny as hell. Um, it's probably a they, sex line. They couldn't have point. done dead or or anything. Yeah, like that. no, it's, yeah. it's Fred. Fred. So Fred. You know, Fred Kruger. One Fred Kruger. He'll do your taxes and then kill you. <laughs> I <laughs> want to hear your nine hundred line stories. Uh, hashtag I would walk nine hundred miles. <laughs> and then I would like to hear them with hashtag and nine hundred more. Okay. That's a little shorter, too. You only have 160 characters to work with or whatever. 280. It's 280. Boy, that was a big controversy. <laughs> so that, that, is the, <laughs> that is the Halloween boopery for this week. Let's rate this whole cacophony. One to five Jerry's parents' marital aids. Five. <laughs> <laughs> There's five of them in the bedroom. They got them all. Yeah. The... For every hole. The swing, the wedge. Yeah. <laughs> Feathered, leathered. Gross. Yeah, five. Like, I love... Goosebumps was low budget, kind of chintzy, but I mm-hmm. love the books. I can't can't fault the show. I guess I could, but I, I loved it. <laughs> you could. And uh, these these trailers, I could watch them all day. Mm-hmm. Just, just fantastic stuff. And Halloween is my, my favorite holiday, and uh, I will I will not rate this low. It's five out of five. Shailen? Mm. Four point seven. How do you have point seven marital aids? Uh, it broke. <laughs> Good God! <laughs> Got mangled in the dishwasher. Got stuck in there. I 
loved Goosebumps as a property, but this particular episode, I've always troubled when people get lazy with their translation between mediums, and it's like, oh, this makes no... (laughs) Me too. It doesn't make any sense if you don't read the book, and that makes me mad. So they lose 0.3 of a marital aid. But these movies, I mean, I would watch trailers for movies and specifically scary movies Mm -hmm. all day, all night, forever. Just fantastic stuff. I wouldn't say Halloween's my favorite holiday, but I would say it's my favorite entertainment theme. Horror. (laughs) Entertainment theme. Listeners, what's your favorite entertainment theme? Hashtag my favorite entertainment theme. It's like my favorite Martian, but less fun. Yes, yes. I'm going to go with four and a half on this one. I think the Goosebumps show... I like cheesy horror, but I like cheesy horror if for like bad special effects and weird shows of like grisly fake blood. This wasn't that. So the show, the show is pretty, pretty bonk, but the trailers and the commercials. Yeah. It really tickles that nostalgia bone. We've talked about like movie commercials now and yeah, they're a little bit Jerry's parents bedroom. (laughs) They would love me too, but um, (laughs) you, I mean, we don't have movies anymore, so it's different, but thinking about all those movies especially rated r at the time that you would never see in the theater and being like oh what's that all about that seems crazy and just you know the movie theater voice guy in a world where you could see movies i also really was delighted by the um check your local listings check your newspaper for local listings completely different world so that is the the halloween boopery here the game is up to me this week and october as we've talked about it's a it's a month of jump scares and screams, but it's also a month of playoff baseball. <laughs> and baseball, everybody knows it, right? You, you swing the ball, the bat. There's a revolution, a statistical revolution, where players are being evaluated differently. There's algorithms, and there's this big, you know, it, it's this big thing. How do you evaluate somebody with a computer, right? So I did a little Just statistical analysis computer. of my own, and I ran the numbers. So we're going to play a little game of this or that called The American Past, Time to Die. So (laughs) when you think things that are alike, horror movies and baseball, one and one A. I mean, they're the same thing here. So I, I pulled some numbers around baseball and around horror movies and you guys are gonna gonna take some guesses here you know what how do these numbers compare okay so so you're both gonna answer on on every question here so let's get right into it here what's the higher number the number of people that jason kills in friday the 13th part nine jason goes to hell the final friday or the number of career postseason home runs by mr october himself reggie jackson so did Reggie Jackson hit more home runs in his playoff career or did Jason kill more people in that single movie? What is the higher number there? I'm going with Reggie Jackson. Okay. Why? I'm just curious. Because I think in Jason Goes to Hell, he doesn't kill as many people if it's the movie I'm thinking of. Okay. I could have it completely wrong. I'm going to say Jason Goes to Hell. I think the body count is really, really high mm-hmm. in that in that movie. There's like a shootout or something in a diner, I believe, that just yep. takes a, a, a very Oh, shit. That's the one with the diner? High death toll the one with the diner. GD. Yeah. So Dave is right Dave here. Dave is definitely right. The Mr. October, Reggie Jackson, 
big clutch player in, in the postseason. Hit 18 career postseason 18? I knew that number. He hit 18. 18. Ja- Jason killed 24 people in Friday the 13th, <laughs> part nine. Jason goes to hell the and final And 12 Friday. of them were in the fucking diner. Yeah. yeah. So he, he kills a lot of folks. I did discount the dude that the woman shotguns and the guy they run over. This is Jason himself okay. uh, in all his forms. So, you know, when he's like the little slug thing and he inhabits people. But Is this the one where... Freddy Krueger's hand comes up at the end and pulls Jason's That's mask. That's correct. I can't believe I messed that up. Me too. What a I've fuck watched up. that movie several times. Fuck up. What's the Danny Hunter's name? So, um, Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> no, it's not Clayton Kershaw. But that Sorry, would have been a good connection. It's Clayton something or other. So Dave is up one zero here. What is a lower number? The percentage of characters alive to dead in Halloween two, the original one, not the the fat fuck kid. Rob Zombie version, or the career postseason batting average of Houston Astros slugger Jeff Bagwell came up clutch many times to get to the playoffs. Maybe he underperformed there. So the ratio of like alive to dead, like what's the alive average in Halloween 2 versus Jeff Bagwell's postseason batting average? What's the lower number? I'm going to go Bagwell. Bagwell's lower. Okay. I agree with Dave. It's close. This is a close one. You're both right. Jeff Bagwell, Hall of Fame slugger. Has a sex move named after him. Prolific guy. What's the second? <laughs> so, okay. The, the Bagwell. I, I do have to. I, I suppose <laughs> I, I can't leave that hanging out there. You got bag, um, bagged well. He was known for having a really wide batting stance. So the, ba- <laughs> the Bagwell involves the gentleman here standing in a really wide stance and then his lover angled below him, like okay. arched up. So it's like a, gotcha. a, like a downward thrust almost. Oh, all right. A take on the jackhammer. Mm-hmm. It, it ends in a gooey G. Ew. So, uh, I'm quivering. So Jeff Bagwell had a career postseason batting average of 222. Not really that great. Not great. Halloween 2, when I looked, I was like, oh, well, Jamie Lee Curtis survives, and like that dumbass who gets a concussion in the ambulance survives. But right. no, no. Dana Carvey lives, too. Dana Carvey lives. Dana Carvey's not like a main-named character here, though. Mm. 12 people were killed by Michael Myers. But Michael Myers and Dr. Loomis did not, in fact, die, so they are added to the total. Okay. So now you have four alive and 12 dead for an average of 250. So Halloween 2 takes that one. So you guys are- are, (laughs) It's complicated math, Ben. It is. It Also, just just for fun, the Halloween 2 deaths, uh, hit in head with hammer claw, strangled with a cord, head burned in hot tub. Oh, that's that's awful. Gruesome. Stabbed in eyeball with syringe, stabbed in temple with syringe. Blood drained by severed IV line, stabbed in back with scalpel, throat slit with scalpel. So, yeah. <laughs> so we got a few more here. Stabbed in temple with syringe is my least favorite Oof, in that group. Not, not pleasant. The hot tub one is disgusting. Gruesome. What's higher? The production budget for the original sleepaway camp, adjusted for 2020, or the amount of money that the New York Mets pay long-retired superstar Bobby Bonilla every single year, up to and including... 2020. The answer is Bobby Vinia. <laughs> I'm with Dave. You're both correct. The answer is Bobby Vinia. The original <laughs> pro- the production budget for Sleepaway Camp in 1983 was $350,000. I thought you were going to say $350. They bought Just a like, camcorder. Adjusted for inflation, it's around a million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bobby Vinia gets a check on July 1st every single year from the New York Mets for $1.18 million. Why? He's been retired for at least... 15 years why it's just how the contract worked it's the best contract in sports if for, for, from the athletes 
perspective. What can I do with my life to get a contract like that? <laughs> we will pay you $1.8 million to leave us the fuck alone. I don't know. Baseball's a weird sport. So Dave is up three to two here. We got th- three more rounds left. Well, two and a bonus, we'll say. What is the higher number? The number of kills in Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, or the number of people who have played Major League Baseball with the name Raleigh? I've never seen Dream Child, so I'm going Raleigh's. Okay. I'm going to say Dream Child. Shailen actually takes this one. Shockingly, Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, only three deaths in the whole movie. Is that the one where the woman is running... She's dreaming about the race and she gets killed as she crosses the finish line. It might be that one. It might be the okay. one before that, too, where they're in the hospital. They're like the same movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Only three. There have been six Raleigh's who've played Major League Baseball. Huh. Hmm. What are the fucking odds? I only knew Raleigh Fingers, but I looked up Raleigh on fan graphs and I knew. I knew that was a stat that we needed to talk about. All right. So we got a tie game here. What is a bigger number? The number of Friday the 13th related movies in which Jason has either died or been submerged in water at the end, or the number of world championships for our local Boston Red Sox. Higher or lower? What are we going for? Whatever you like. We'll say higher. What, what is a bigger number? You know, the Red Sox had the curse of the Bambino. Didn't have a championship for a long time. That drought is, is broken. Similar. You know, Jason has fought not drought many times. I'm going to say Jason. Okay. It's higher. Mm -hmm. It's definitely higher or lower. It's not a tie. It's not a tie. I thought about throwing a trick question in here, but I did not. There is a definitive answer. I'm going Jason. (laughs) You're both wrong. (laughs) Um, The Red Sox have nine world championships. I was shocked. Jason has either died or been submerged at the end of the movie fucking seven times in this series so i I counted i'll tell you yeah it's in friday the 13th part one he is in the lake he pulls the girl into the lake yes right friday the 13th part two he gets an axe to the head friday the 13th part three i forget friday the 13th part four he's killed by Corey feldman he's not in friday the 13th five friday the 13th six right okay he is submerged in the lake friday the 13th seven god saying friday the 13th so much is fucking my head He's submerged in the lake. Friday the 13th, 8, he's drowned in the sewer. Friday the 13th, 9, nothing. Friday the 13th, 10, Jason X, he falls from the moon or whatever, and he falls into the lake. (laughs) Freddy versus Jason. He willingly submerges himself in the lake to get rid of Freddy Krueger. And in the reboot, he also ends up in the lake. So that is 7. So you're both wrong there. When he goes to hell, does that not count? Is hell an ocean? You said dead or. No, he died. I meant like he is in the ocean. He's died or submerged in water. So. No, like he dies in the water is what I mean. Okay, so that's not how you worded the question. No, okay. Well, it is not. I'm not, no. I'm not going to contest that you <laughs> understand your question differently than what you said. But you gave us you a did bad say, you question. You said dead or submerged. You said dead or submerged. Well, you both. didn't say. Well, Dead by submersion. And this submersion. isn't the Mandela effect. Well, guess what? You're either both right or you're both wrong. So it, it's actually... Yeah, it so I'm, I'm contesting. You're contesting. Well, Ooh. Dave and I both get a point because badly worded well, question. Well, let's, let's break the tie then. it's still tied. Let's, let's break the tie. We have, we have a bonus round here. What is... <laughs> what's the higher number? 
The number of former Major League Baseball players listed as having been born in the Atlantic Ocean. In the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> or the number of like victims that were uh, fucked to death by a carrot by Jack Frost. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Frost, of course, the killer snowman. So I don't know that the Atlantic the Ocean. Not the Michael dances. Keaton Jack yeah. Frost. Nope, nope, yeah. The other one. Uh, but both, both had carrot related deaths. That's yeah. true. Yeah, one was allergy based. Mm-hmm. Michael Keaton's character fucked someone to death with a carrot. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know what? I'm just gonna go with Jack Frost. In the Atlantic Ocean, I don't know. He's just listed as Atlantic being born. In, yeah, was it like a water birth? I wasn't like there. Jersey Jack Shore? Frost, 1888, the Jack, Atlantic Ocean. Jack Frost. It, it, see, it's a trick. Now, here's something you can't contest because it's a tie. It's one and one. Oh, so nobody wins. <laughs> Nobody wins. But nobody loses. Or is it that everybody wins? Mm-hmm. If no one loses, we're all winners. So that is a game of the American past. Time to die. Dun, 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 dun. Dead. <laughs> Bang. On to the mailbag. Hey there, watch knots. Open parentheses, nailed it. Close parentheses, comma. Happy Halloween. To celebrate this macabre holiday, I want to know what your favorite horror movie death scenes are. For me, it's a toss-up between Scatman Crothers getting axed in The Shining and that brutal hot tub scene in Halloween 2, which we talked about here. Let's get wet. The final girl. So this is a great question. It's a great fucking question. It's true. Gets my juices flowing. It's so appropriate, too. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> That's true. I like a thematically appropriate question. <laughs> I don't know. I, it's it's a tough one. Like I, I, sometimes I like the classics, like in Friday the Thirteenth Part One, where the guy gets the arrow through his throat from the bottom of the bed. Yeah, Kevin and, Bacon. Like, the, the yeah. blood shoots out. Mm-hmm. That is Kevin Bacon. Was Crispin Glover getting like the cleaver through the head in Friday the Thirteenth Part Four? The cop getting claw hammered in Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. He's in the cabin. Yeah, and he gets killed with the claw part of oh, the hammer, yeah, not the, the hammer ooh, part. It's, it's it a bad noise. What oh, about? It's gross. The beatnik couple in Night of the Living Dead when they get barbecued and the zombies okay. like fight over their intestines. Yeah, that's a fun one. I re- oh, yeah. That's one yeah. of my favorites. What about um, Johnny Depp in the original Nightmare on Elm Street where horrifying. he gets sucked into the bed and he's horrifying. just like, well, I mean, it's such a cartoonish it's, amount of blood. There's nothing horrifying blood, about yeah. it. <laughs> I've never watched a Freddy Krueger movie from start to finish ever. They're too fucking scary for me. Oh my God. Uh, you need I to, can't do it. You need part to watch two. this. The, yeah. yeah. Part two it gets a lot of like actual academic discussion because the character, he said that like he has played that actor as gay. I believe that like, the director advised him to play it that way. So the whole movie is like a subtext on him su- struggling with his sexuality. Yeah. There's like this uh, a ton of queer theory uh, that yeah, goes uh, really in, into cool, interesting it. stuff. Yeah. Okay. But someone being inside my head when I'm trying to sleep is too scary for me mm-hmm. and it gives me nightmares and I can't handle it. Like it stresses me out so much that I will not sleep for days on end. Remind me after after the mailbag to talk about a, a nightmare I had the other day. Yeah, so like I think, like I like the classics. I like some of the really creative ones. Over time, like it just gets goofier and goofier. Like yeah. in Jason X where like the guy falls on the big drill bit, he, he spirals down and they go, he got screwed. I, I remember that. It's just <laughs> goofy nonsense. Well, I have a couple. The, the claw hammer in Friday the Part Two, uh, Friday yeah. the Thirteenth Part Two, and um, Ghoulies Three. Ghoulies go to college. Sure. The Ghoulies, the monsters, come out of this like ancient toilet. It's like a mystical toilet, and uh, a guy goes into the bathroom post coitus to take a dump. 
and and the ghoulies are uh, rise from the toilet and pull him down and flush him. It's it's like physically impossible. <laughs> it's just so funny. Like his legs are like folded up and his his arms are like shooting straight up. It's it's really good. I, I liked in Gremlin as well. The original Gremlins with like the woman on the um, the elevator thing. Oh, she yeah. gets like rocketed out of the house. Does Little Shop of Horrors count in this instance? Because I think, I think so. when Sheesh. when Mushnik gets eaten by in the specifically in the Rick Moranis version, because that is far superior to any other version. Of course. And also when Steve Martin gets just eaten by Audrey. Oh, I thought of another one. Boy, we could do this all night. In the, the 2005 version of House of Wax, where Paris Hilton does a sexy dance and then she gets like impaled <laughs> with a harpoon or whatever. It's, it's, right through her, it's right through her mouth, too. Yeah. It's a callback to, uh, to the uh, sex video. Fun stuff. That one has a gross one, too, where like the guy is waxed. Oh, yeah. He's peeling, like, like someone's yeah. Don't, care for that. Don't care for that. What are your least favorite ones? Which ones do you sort of struggle with? Okay. I always go back to George Romero because I he's oh, yeah, well, I just can't help know. it. So Night of the Living Dead Part Two. Do you think it has to do with the divorce? There are no. <laughs> There's a scene where there are two children that have been zombified, right? And their parents are fighting over them. And they're reaching for the doorknob and it's jiggling. The guy inside the shack is shooting a gun repeatedly where an adult would be. And then the kids burst into the room and he has to shoot the kids in the head. And that fucked me up in a way that like I really mm. struggle with because it was the first I mean it's not even the first kid zombie there's one in the original Ned Living Dead but it's this idea that only adults can be monsters even though like sometimes kids can be really fucked up and like how do we treat that and do we treat it or do we give up and like it just brings up a lot of questions and makes me sick to my stomach so it, it's a comedy show Shayla <laughs> <laughs> I also really hate it at the end of Friday the 13th part two when she goes, son, like she dreads Jason. She pretends to be his mom. Yeah. I hate that. I've got two. So one is Bone Tomahawk. Have you seen that movie? <laughs> no, I, I, I haven't seen Bone Tomahawk. I think you just invented it. No, no, it's really good. Kurt Russell's in it. Matthew Fox from Lost. So it's just like party of five. And Party of Five, yes, in an Alex Cross movie with uh, um, <laughs> with Medea, um, but uh, <laughs> it's in the Old West. This this lawman, his wife goes missing. They get kidnapped. Mm-hmm. She gets kidnapped by something or someone, and they go out. Uh, this this party of five goes out mm-hmm. to find the wife, and it turns out that these troglodytes found her and kidnapped her. And they actually they kidnapped someone else with her, and after the, after they capture Kurt Russell, they cleave the guy in half from the bottom. So they hold him upside down and hold him by his ankles, and then another person takes a, a tomahawk and cleaves him from the groin to Ooh. the shoulder. It is so disturbing. I watched it by myself and it was like wriggling on the floor, just so ah! uncomfortable. It was Understood. so gross. Understandable. The other one is, and this one disturbed the fuck out of me, uh, is the newest Halloween, mm. the one that Danny McBride wrote. It, it's really good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It, that was a sentence you just said. Yeah. It Well, it's a very good uh, Halloween movie. Um, I really liked it, the way they treated Jamie Lee Curtis's character. They erase like Halloween 2 and on, but it's it's really good. But there's this one scene where he's in like this, uh, it's like a truck stop or something, bathroom. And he attacks these two people, and one woman is hiding in the stall, and he just 
takes the teeth of her friend and like sprinkles them over the stall and it's Ugh. the sound it's the sound it is yeah. so gnarly yeah again that made me just squirm those kind of deaths are, are really really brutal I, I thought of one more favorite and then I'll, I'll do a least favorite. I, I like in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, the original one where he like, he hits the guy in the head with like the fucking meat hammer. And just oh. goes, Poof. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brutal. But I, so I like that one, but for some reason I don't like head crushings or like eye gougings. Yeah. Um, so in Halloween four, he does them all like immediately, like they revive him or he's playing dead or whatever. And like he rams a dude's head into the bars of the jail. And then he's in the ambulance. Oh yeah. And he's like, he's crushing this dude's head. He's got his thumbs in his eyes, and it's like, ah, oh, duh, no. <laughs> Have either of you no. seen the new Netflix show Ratchet? Oh, no, the no. Uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest prequel. Is that what it is? Yeah, Nurse Ratchet. Huh. Interesting. All right. Yeah, no, in the first episode of, of that series, there's like a brutal multi-murder scene with a dude, and <laughs> he- Okay. He wrecks a priest's head on the edge of a toilet. Nice. And that messed me up. Like, I did not care for that. Mm. It just cracks like an egg. That's cool. It's very interesting to watch Mm. when you, like, dissect how did they do this. But, like, it's just like, ugh. That could have happened to Doc Brown. Could have. You know? But it didn't. Didn't. And we got the flux capacitor out of it. Did that that guy invent the time machine after his head cracked (laughs) like an egg? The flux capacitor actually just fell out fully formed. (laughs) (laughs) It's a new superpower. So this nightmare I had. I had a dream that I was protecting someone. I don't know who it was. It was you. But but Donald Donald Trump walked into the room and started dry humping this person. Oh, it wasn't me. And there was a security tape and I was like, oh my God, like what look at this guy. What is he doing? And like I went to tell like the cops and the media who were all right there for some reason, but they hadn't seen it. And like Donald Trump was like winking at me while he humped this person. Um, and I was like, no, 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 like you, you gotta, you gotta stop him. Like, like this guy's like a madman, but nobody would believe me. And then he walked into the security room where the security tape was. He started unspooling the security tape and like laughing. And then I woke up. So oh, it's, it's like no country for old men, I think. But, but yeah, I woke up and I was like, I want, you know, you, you have like a nightmare and you wake up and you're like, oh my God. Like, and like your mind's yeah, racing. You bolt this right, one, right up. Yeah. Like I woke up befuddled. Like I, I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like I wasn't, like I didn't wake up with a flop sweat or like heart racing. It was just like, what, what could this possibly mean? It means a lot of things. Yeah. You ever yeah. had a dream about getting hit in the nuts, Ben? No, actually. Well, now I will, but. They're awful, awful dreams. Um, I woke up once, it was happening. And it was just like in the dream, someone was just repeatedly punching me in the mm-hmm. balls. And I woke up and I was trying to fend myself in the dream. I was punching the shit out of my pillow and my wife like shook me awake. She's like, you're, you're beating the crap out of a pillow right now. <laughs> Strange. It was kind of disturbing that I, I dreamt that and I was doing that in my sleep. I was like in that funny twilight part where you're not quite all the sleep one time when I was a teenager, my friend was sleeping over and a car backfired outside. And at the same time that the car backfired, I got a bad Charlie horse in my leg. And I woke my friend up and I was like, I've been shot. Because <laughs> I had been having like this wild dream about living during Revolutionary War times. And like, I yeah, was convinced that dream there was, about like, living in Revolutionary War times. I thought there was a musket ball lodged in my calf and it mm-hmm. took a full like two and a half minutes for her to be like, 
you're being crazy. That's what you, you get for reading uh, Meet Felicity, an American Girl story before bed, <laughs> Shailen. Those are not appropriate. Those are too scary for you. It was Scott O'Dell's Sarah Bishop. It was Thank Johnny you. Tremaine. Thank you very much. It was Kate Chapin's The Awakening. <laughs> <laughs> it was the novelization of Nightmare on Elm Street, part three, Dream Warriors. <laughs> <laughs> so. So yeah, so thank you. Thank you, last girl. Email at watchbotspod.com. The boopery is going away for a year. We're we're storing it in a box and good times were had by all. <laughs> but stay tuned next month for the Thanksgiving boop. Nope. Cartoonacopia. Boopery is the bad name. Um Cartoonacopia. Cartoonacopia. Hmm. Yes, let's see if we can find Thanksgiving themed things. I, I don't know. Maybe. I can think of two, and both of them make me sad. Sold. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast where we make Shailen cry. I'll find something with pilgrims. It'll be fine. Any last scary stories? Do you want to do your scary story bit? When Scary Stories for Sleepovers comes out, we should probably talk about it. Okay. Okay. I have I have no spooky tales to tell. No, no, I've, no. I've, I've okay. told them all. Well, this this well, boopery has been... Much like the the potpourri in my grandmother's bathroom, it, it's it's been fragrant and lovely. Mm-hmm. And now it's time to die. That's right. Well, you can follow and, us and on me on Twitter, on Instagram, on Jiffy, other places at, at Watchbots Pod. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and so on and so forth. For Demon Dave and uh, <laughs> Scary, <laughs> and this is I prefer Spooky. This is Jovial Ben. Thank you for listening to another episode of WatchBots. I I hope that wherever you are, the world isn't locked down in a week and a half and you can enjoy the holiday and get some candy and you watch some scary movies. But I think listeners don't want to hear this proclamation from us, right? Like they want to hear, they want to hear their favorite Beatle, Ringo Starr, but they want to hear Ringo Starr channel another famous name associated with music and that of course we talked about a wolfman jack talking about his favorite rl stein's goosebumps novel and then rl stein might come in at the end and and respond which story any favorite goosebumps I novel could not have laid it out any clearer contest that oh the the monstery blubbity bloopity <laughs> oh my god me then <laughs> you're the lucky charms <laughs> logo <laughs> so you're like a, like a give me a leprechaun mo- anytime i can handle that <laughs> god what would rl stein say uh, to that impression <laughs> mm, gives me goosebumps jesus <laughs> that was bone chilling i, I imagine he's just vincent kind of price meek. yeah <laughs> you think jovial bob is a vincent price yeah, I th- I, that's how I always pictured him talking. Hello, children. I picture him calling things a hoot a lot. <laughs> that's a hoot. I picture him being exactly like George Lucas, mm-hmm. but with better content. Oh, I, okay. Here we go. Okay, this is an easy one. We fumbled the the initial handoff here, but this is how we're going to leave. Six minutes into the ending. If George Lucas was making a pitch to Ringo Starr for like a new Goosebumps movie, what would that sound like? It also has to end with Happy Halloween. So we're gonna do right. We're gonna. 
just going to be echoes. It's poetry. They all rhyme. Mm, it's going to be our echoes and poetry. Well, that sounds a dingly dingly great. Let's, <laughs> let's put it to Sally. It's going to be a, a hit for all ages. Oh, George. Like I told John, it's a shitty idea. Why is he a leprechaun tonight? I can't make him not a leprechaun. Uh, I'm, I'm Damn not it. sure. Well, if you guys want to film the movie, I'll do the trailer. Ow! You listen to Wolfman Jack. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween to everybody out there. All you cats and kittens and werewolves. Ow! Happy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs>